it will arise as once before, in ages past when magic soared, passing o'er the world shore to shore, the wind, the fury again shall roar. Welcome to the Swan Song Podcast by Eamon Cottrell and Brian Stallings. The Swan Song Podcast is an episodic audiobook for the fantasy novel John Swansong and the Parada Isle. Episode 10. Your body is recovering from being forced to tap into magic that is usually learned over many years. The shock of that forced it into some sort of deep sleep. I experienced much the same thing on a smaller scale. The only difference is I knew what was coming. It's my fault, of course, that this happened to you. I failed to reach you in enough time to give you a proper warning. But the wind is blown and there's no getting it back. John started to ask Phineas what he was talking about. But Phineas must have seen the confusion on his face. Well, I'm ahead of myself. I know. The fact is that you performed a very powerful weaving. You called the wind down and channeled it into the jasmine. I helped get the weaving started because you didn't know how to. But you acted as the conduit. Much like the hollow metalwork that lines this ship conducts the winds through their bodies and propel the jasmine, so too can we act as a guide to the wind, calling it down to the ship. I know, I know, I'm talking in circles. This is the short of it. You've always known that you were not the son of a fisherman from Labrie. Rowan, may the winds protect him, was like a father to you, but he was not your true father. Neither did you come from Bental, as Abram told Rowan Mills many years ago. I know you've heard stories of the Paradas and the Source Wind. I know that tales of the Tainted One continue to spread through Labrie and the rest of the world. I know that the Day of a Thousand Storms is still spoken of in pubs and homes the world over. John, what you don't know, what you couldn't know, and what I must explain now, is that not only are the tales true... They are still being written. And you, John, you're at the heart of it. You are a parada. John started to say something, but Phineas motioned for him to stay quiet. Please, there is much to explain first. We were both there, John, on Parada Isle during the attack, during the day of a thousand storms. John's jaw dropped, and he couldn't have interrupted with a question if he had wanted to. It was terrible. The stories exaggerate some of the finer details, and depending on who happens to be telling them, they can be more fiction than fact. But the essence is true. The Tainted One did indeed infiltrate Parada Isle by seducing one of our own with the promise of limitless power. He was close to succeeding, but we survived, and the prophecies held true. So long as a Parada lives, the Source Wind cannot be broken. Barada Isle, however, was destroyed. What was our home was wiped out. The wreckage that remains in the southern part of Escondo is likely now inhabited by the servants of the Tainted One himself. The winds, as you know, have been badly marred. But so far the source wind is still strong enough to keep the Tainted One in the east. His fury can only be imagined. To be held in purgatory for a decade longer than he had originally planned... His servant, Cayette, worked faithfully at destroying the source wind completely on his own for the first few years. The power he channeled from Exodar to do this slowly whittled away at his sanity, and when he finally conceded that he would have to hunt down the Las Paradas, 
he had destroyed most of the humanity left within himself. He has sent out his Tidewalkers to search the world and the seas ever since for the last of the Paradas. He paused to see if John put the tale together. But all I've ever known is Labrie, John whispered. I know it's a lot to take in, but it's the truth. We are the last of the Paradas. You were only a year old when we were attacked and I sent you off. I was sure I'd never see you again. But I'm glad I was wrong about that. His eyes twinkled the same way that Goth sometimes did. He was probably half the age of Goth, but John was already beginning to look up to Phineas. And not just because of the miraculous way he seemed to bend wind and fire to his will. There was a calmness and sturdiness to him that made John think of Rowan, and the way he always went about his work with what looked like little or no effort at all. So how did we get away? John was eager to unravel his past. He wrinkled his nose in thought and looked towards Abram. And why'd you tell Rowan I was from Bentall? Abram leaned forward and stretched out his hand. John, it's more complicated than that. I... John cut him off. You what? Forgot that you'd sailed east, not west? He twisted in the cot, trying to sit up straight and glare at Abram. But he coughed and slumped back down as Phineas came between them. Phineas looked back at Abram and then calmed John down. Abram did the best he could. It's as much my fault as anyone's that I haven't found you until now. I was a broken man after the attack on Parada Isle, and I can't believe either you or I made it off alive. During the attack, I had just enough time to do the only thing I could think of with you. I called down our family's eagle and gave you to him. I entrusted your life to the faint hope that he might find safety. There was little enough time to do a proper weaving on him, but I was able to impart a little extra strength and guidance to him before setting the two of you off to the skies. As you flew off, I was so fearful I'd done the wrong thing. But what choice did I have? I looked around and accepted my fate in the islands, but I let a fool's hope get the best of me. You were gone, though. Truly. Floating at the mercy of the winds beneath Aaron's wings, I hid myself on the beach, another thing I'm almost ashamed to admit. But what was I to do? The isle. It was as if it were devouring itself. I had no idea where Kayette was at that point. All I could think was if I could just survive, just not die. The source wind might have a chance at still holding the tainted one back. After what seemed like hours, the quake stopped. But by then, everything was ablaze. The trees, the grass the houses and ships. I'd covered myself in the sand dunes, at a loss for what to do. There was heartwood wreckage everywhere, and I used every ounce of strength I had left to conjure enough wind to sail to Shalanai while holding a large chunk of broken decking. After the storms that day when the source wind was broken, the sea was like glass. It was eerily calm. Once I got to Shalanai, I was nearly dead. It had taken four, maybe five days. John's anger had died down. He was still suspicious of what Abram would have to tell him, but he was very interested in Phineas's tale. How long were you on Shalani? Did you see Mount Tenen? I lived on Tenen most of the time I was there, John. It's much more spectacular and treacherous than even the grandest stories let on. Phineas paused again, and his reluctance to continue was obvious. He seemed to be remembering many things at once and trying to sift through them. But, but how long was it? How'd you get off? 
Phineas looked grim when he replied, John, I did not leave Shalani for three years. Of all things in life, I regret that fact the most. As I said, I was broken after the attack. Everyone was dead. I had given up hope for you. As far as I was concerned, I was the last full-blooded parada left. And if there was to be any hope of preserving the source wind, I knew I must stay hidden and alive. John felt sorry for Phineas. He looked weaker than John felt in that moment, and part of him wanted to reach out and take his hand, his brother's hand, and tell him it was okay. But was it? John didn't know, and he didn't move. Seems like that was a pretty darn good plan to me. Rat's scratchy voice broke through both Phineas and John's thoughts. John had forgotten the others were still there. Phineas had been leaning in closer and closer, talking in a low, hushed voice rather than the deep, commanding tone from the harbor that John had heard above the din all around them. I mean, think about it, John. What are the odds that you'd have survived a flight on a sea eagle over the Escondo? Rat chuckled. Why'd you leave Shalani at all, Phineas? That must have been an adventure every day, what with the jagcats and the wondrels and apes and all. He was enjoying the story because it was exciting, but John was irritated at his usual nonchalant attitude. Why couldn't he ever take things as seriously as they were? It was like he didn't believe these things were real, like he'd already forgotten the near-death experience they'd all shared leaving Labrie. Phineas broke through his thoughts. Have you ever gone to sleep high in a silo tree as far as you could climb in the hope that you're not awakened by a jagcat? In the hope that one won't climb up that far for a midnight snack? He shook his head at Rat, who had a strange look somewhere between a scowl and a frown that was making the corners of his mouth twitch. Oh, it was an adventure. But it has no place here. It was a dark adventure, full of despair and hunger and survival. And don't forget... Paradas have lived long, long lives while on Parada, tending to the wind and the magic that bind it to our world. But we are not immortal. If there is to be any true hope for mankind, the line must continue. I knew you were alive, John. I knew it. You had to be. Resigning myself to fate on Shalani out of grief and self-loathing was a foolish mistake. And it's a fool's luck that I made it off that mountain alive. When I did finally come to my senses, I got off in much the same manner as I got on. This time, I was able to fashion a raft of sorts, fastened between two silo trunks I'd painstakingly carved out to serve as canoes. I supplied it with as much food as I could manage, and set off for flame. Phineas actually smiled at this point. I never saw that small island, though. I knew it was quite a risk going into the open seas, even with a large supply of strength to guide the winds in my little vessel. Brief and furious storms would come out of nowhere, catching me off guard and threatening to tear my ship apart and leave me for dead. The gray that washes over the Escondo took several years to fully form, but it had begun creeping its fingers out across the skies by then. There was, and is, no predicting the storms that would come. I began to see the true impact of that attack on Parada Isle as I went to the open seas once more. The storms had come on Shalani, but a storm at sea is a different beast altogether. After three such storms, I had no idea where I might be, though I knew I must keep sailing west. Eventually I'd find land, 
even if the wind saw fit to thread my ship between the many isles surrounding the mainland until I reached Antal. This almost happened, too. I spotted land two days after my food had run out. I still had water. I was collecting rainwater and several coconut husks I'd brought for just that reason. The cliffs of Hano jutted up out of the ocean like a giant's hand inviting me to come to them. I've never seen such beautiful rocky cliffs. I knew I'd have to sail around to the inner beaches to actually be able to land, but I had made it. I had a chance of finding you, John. Phineas paused as John considered the fantastic tale. After a moment, John said, But you said that was only three years after the attack on Parada Isle. He looked up, calculating the remaining years between then and now. What took you so long to actually get to Labrie? Phineas smiled. You're forgetting that you simply have to fit together all the known pieces of the puzzle. At the time, I had no clue what had become of you. I had only a glimmer of hope that you had indeed been carried to safety, wherever that might have been. The bond between Aaron the Eagle and me had long since been severed. It's likely that the extreme fatigue he underwent combined with my wretched condition was too much to overcome. It was he that I first sought out. That is an adventure in and of itself, and one that took many months of combing the compass aisles to find him. Once I did, I was overjoyed. I had renewed hope in your survival. I rekindled the weaving with Aaron, but the experience had been too much for him. I could not get any information about you. I made a costly mistake at that point. I set off on my own to the plates. Had I sought passage on a ship, I surely would have met Abram years earlier. The Jasmine was one of the only honest ships that continued to sail the plates as the Grey moved in. I was stubborn, though, and I went alone. It was a fool's errand that cost me much time. The plates were the closest islands to Parada, though, and I thought that Aaron must have surely left you there. Though why he would have deserted you afterwards, I still could not understand. I'll spare you the details of that depressing and lengthy trip as well as the years after, only to say that I searched tirelessly for you in Duntal and Bental, even on Builder's Isle. I thought you may have ended up in servitude there. Had Abram kept to any sort of schedule, I would have crossed paths much earlier. Alas, he's never been fond of the sailor's life when it comes to ports and parties. Most of the time, he's busy sailing. I don't have to tell you how overjoyed I was when on one eve in the rusty deck at Port de Twin, I overheard Brick and Brack recounting a strange tale to the barkeep. A tale of a mammoth bird coming to their ship amidst the events following the day of a thousand storms. I listened in surprised awe as I realized I had finally found the trail to you, John. It was two days later that I set off with Abram to Labrie. John had forgotten Rat and Sarah were there and snapped out of the trance of Phineas's story when Sarah broke through the silence that followed it. It sure took you long enough, she said. I mean, being a wizard and all, it just seems like you could have found him sooner. Rat was still wide-eyed at the story. Can we go to Shalani next? he asked. John brushed both of their comments aside. He was unsure what to say. He just knew he felt an ocean of emotions washing all through him at once. Anger that he'd been abandoned. Gratitude that he'd been saved and found again. Confusion at his parada heritage. He was intrigued with what lay ahead and what role he would get to play in it. But above all else, he was physically exhausted still.
Phineas saw John's fatigue. Let's let John get a little more rest. He led the two out of the cabin. John slipped into a fitful sleep, full of dreams of being picked up by the eagle and dropped from the sky, falling, falling, falling. Falling.